says I have, and I do what it tells me to do, and I love my Bible, so I make this as a confession that I will meditate therein both day and night on a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening. And because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch, everything I touch, now turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Glory to God. If you are visiting with us today, we want to thank you. Put your hands together for all of our visitors. Praise God. We want to thank you for visiting us in person or online. We'd love to see you again. I'd like to greet you at the end of the service at our Welcome Center. For those of you that are online, uh, text the word connect or put the number one in the comments and we'll be sure to respond to you carefully. Let's pray before we get into the word of God. Father, we thank you for this another opportunity to share your word with your people. We believe that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask that you shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. Help us to see what we didn't see and come to know what we did not know, that we might be better because of it. We know you said that your people are destroyed because of what they don't know, because of what they reject or even what they forget. So let there be an anointing on our minds this morning to receive this precious seed of your word into our hearts, deep that it will produce some 30 times, 60 times, 100 times as much as is sown. We believe we receive it. We pray that revelation knowledge will flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. So have your way, Holy Spirit, moving out every aisle and touch every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Turn around, wave at somebody and tell them he's more than enough. And you may be seated. <laughs> Glory to God. We're starting a new series today. Woo! How many of you all enjoyed last Sunday with Pastor Carol? Amen. Fit for the fight. Amen. One of our uh, regular attenders and visitors uh, uh, left a cell phone, and so they contacted us and uh, let us know. And uh, I picked up the call, and I was in Michigan, and, uh, you know, without asking, he said, Pastor Carol did an amazing job today, by the way. Amen. Amen. That was cool. 1 John chapter 1 is our text for today, and we'll find verse 5 through 10 to bear the message. Verse 5 says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. You all know on Sunday morning, uh, that's what I do. I, I hear a message from the Lord, and then I share with you the message. This new series idea is not something I just made up or thought. Uh, I, I've been seeking God for a number of months. This, is, this actually came to me early, and uh, he, he ministered in me that this is the right season and time for it. And in the same way, the Apostle John, as a servant of the Lord as I, said, this is the message which we heard from him and declare to you. What's that? That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. I wonder if he called his series God is Light. Come on, somebody. Anyway, verse 6 says this. Uh, verse number 6 says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word, his word is not in us. This series is about you and the subject of righteousness. It's about you and righteousness. The idea is that at some point we can get from beyond unrighteousness and into the righteousness of God. Sin certainly is the problem in this world. As you see on the subject of righteousness or unrighteousness, or as John was talking about you and the subject of righteousness, he brings up the matter of sin. Sin certainly is a problem or the problem in this world. But Jesus is and was God's answer to the sin problem. Somebody say amen to that. At the same time, Jesus said to those that were born again, you are not of this world. So when I say sin certainly is the problem in this world, I'm not saying sin is certainly your problem. To the people that are in this world without God, sin certainly is their problem. But I submit to you through this series, it's not your biggest problem. And that's what we're going to look at today. The title of this series is You in Righteousness. And um, we're going to look at what is unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? I mean, think about it. When was the last time you text, you know, your unrighteousness is why we're in this situation? You know, to a friend or a loved one or to your boss, you know, well, their unrighteousness is what caused this. How many of you put that in your text message? I submit to you nobody in person or online has ever sent a text including the word unrighteousness. It's not how we talk. But it's certainly something that God intends and needs for us to understand. So we're going to spend some time on it. So as I said, sin certainly is the problem in this world. Where do you get that from, Pastor Stan? In Romans chapter 5, turn over there with me. Let your eyes rest upon it. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 12, it says, but what? Uh-oh. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, therefore, just as through one man... Sin entered the world, and death through sin, 
And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Sin is this world's problem. If you want to know why there's certain situations and circumstances that are going on in the world around us, it's because of sin. If you want to know why there's been an uptick in hurricanes, if you want to know why there's tragedies like trains that, uh, you know, get derailed and, and, and uh, tragedies that, that happen in the news, bad things, people disappearing and dying and murder. If you want to know why things are going the way they are in this world, it is because of this verse of Scripture. So as a Christian, young or old, it is imperative that you understand what this verse of Scripture says. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world. Can anybody tell me who that one man that messed up everything on, on the planet? Adam is the one man that Romans 5 and 12 is referring to. He says, just as one man messed it up for everybody else. When he sinned in the garden, the first sin ever committed, God told him, you can eat of every tree. Now, I need you to dress and keep. I need you to, to, to prune every tree in the garden. I need you to prune all of the trees in the garden, include, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you can eat of every tree in the garden. You've got to work on all of them. But on this one, you are not to touch it. Well, he said you are not to eat of it because in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Think about that. He had to work for something that he couldn't consume. That sounds like what tithing is. When you dedicate 10% of your income, yeah, you worked hard for your money. Oh, see how quiet it got? I was doing good until I brought up tithing. Some people ain't even laughing at that. That's all right. But that's what it was. He had to work on every tree in the garden. But on this tree, for whatever reason, why God even put it in the garden? Because he needs to give you the choice and opportunity to serve him willingly and to obey. And that his blessing results from our obedience. Adam disobeyed, took of the fruit. And in that moment, you would think that they would have fell over dead immediately. Adam went on to live 900 some odd years. But yet God said in the day, on the day that you eat him, you shall surely die. And that was the big thing when, when, when she, when his wife, looked at the fruit and saw that it was good for food. It, you know, it didn't look like if I eat this, I'm going to die. How many of you have seen something like if you eat that, you're going to die, right? There's stuff in this world. If you eat it, you'll die. If, you, if it gets into your body, you can die. And if it looks the part, how many of y'all are going to put that in your mouth? No, she saw that, no, this looks like it's edible. It looks like it's good for food. Will y'all help me so we can get on to the next verse? It looks like it's good for food. And I know God said, but the devil said that God was lying to me, that was trying to hold back from me. Don't listen to the devil. Amen. So sure enough, even though he had to work for it, he couldn't partake of it. And in the day that he did, he died spiritually and then eventually physically. But when that happened, something bigger happened. Because according to 
Romans 5 and 12, therefore just as, as through, 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 somebody say through, through one man's sin, what came into the world? Oh, man, that one act of disobedience opened up the floodgate for sin to come into the world. So this validates that statement that sin certainly is a problem in this world. It is the reason why things are the way they are. Also, look what else came when sin came. Just as through one man sin entered the world, and what else came in? Death. Death. Two things came into the atmosphere of the planet when Adam disobeyed. Sin came in and death came in. Before Adam's sin, nothing was born to die. Every plant, every molecule, every cell, every being, every animal ever born on this planet was intended to live for an eternity and never die. This also paints the picture of what heaven will be like when death and hell and the grave are cast into the lake of fire. There will be no more dying. The trees that are planted in heaven will live for an eternity. Every spirit being will live for an eternity without death. There will be an end to death. Two things came into the atmosphere of this planet which result in why we see on the news. Death entered as a result of sin. Uh, Romans 5 and 12 says this, sin entered the world and death through sin. And this is how death was passed upon all men because all have sinned. So not only was sin passed down from generation to generation, but death as a result of it. So that is what we call in, in, in theological school the sin problem. But Jesus is the answer to the problem of sin. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we can, you know, say it without reading, quote, we can quote it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not die but have everlasting life. So Jesus is and was God's answer to the sin problem. How do we apply the solution to the problem of sin? It is we must be born again. This is why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse number 7, Do not marvel that I said unto you, say this last part with me, you must be born again. Say it with me. You must be born again. If you're in this room right now or online and you are not born again, you need to pay attention. Because coming to church, even being baptized when you were a child, will not save you. Being a good person will not give you a ticket and a pass to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is imperative that we understand it as mature Christians so that we can preach it to our friends, our loved ones, 
you must be, somebody say you must be, born again. So how do we apply the solution to the sin problem in our lives? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 10 and verse 8 through 10. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you, say it with me, you will be saved. He then goes on to say, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Uh Uh-oh, now that's an important word. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this in Romans 10, verse 8 through 10, is how we got born again. It's how we receive the answer to the sin problem. It's how we receive Jesus. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. And we say that, believe that, and the Bible says we shall be saved. And then it explains it. It says, for with the heart, man believes unto this thing called righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But now the bigger problem is the issue of unrighteousness. For the world, the big problem is sin. You need to get saved. Because as long as you continue on that road, when you die, you are going to go to hell. So while you're alive, take the opportunity to accept Jesus. Believe this in your heart and say it with your mouth. you got to come to church with me. Come on, somebody. This is what you ought to be preaching talking to your loved ones and your family about. Their problem is a sin problem, but it's not your problem. And that's what God sent me here today to minister to you. You don't have a sin problem. You've got an unrighteousness problem. For many believers, unrighteousness is blocking the manifestation of God's blessing in their life because of a lack of understanding concerning the subject of his righteousness. They're not walking in the full blessing of the Lord. They're struggling. They're barely making it. They're without peace, and that should not be. Go back with me to 1 John chapter 1. I won't be before you long today, so I need you to listen strong. Make sure you take notes. Is this good already? In 1 John, let's, we're not going to look at all 5 through 10, but we're going to look at verse number 8. Because there's a message here, and particularly for the body of Christ, where unrighteousness is concerned. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The subject of verse number eight is sin as it relates to us. He says and includes himself in the conversation. It would be interesting if he said, if you say that you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in you, but not me. Because I'm the preacher. Y'all know I don't sin. That's a lie. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all know from the pulpit to the parking lot, we are all the sharers of the human experience? We are, by nature, uh, uh, 
we have a, 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 there, there's a, a possibility for sin in our lives because of our, our flesh, our human nature. What I love about it is his humility in presenting it. I mean, he could have said it that way, but, you know, leave it to the imagination beyond. But he said very clearly, if I say, if you say that we have no sin, then we're lying and the truth is not in us. So he starts on the subject of sin. But sin is not your problem. Don't be deceived. There's this, he said, we deceive ourselves. Make sure the devil is not deceiving you about this subject. The devil would love for you to believe that the reason why things aren't working for you like they should is because of your sins. And I know it might be a little bit quiet because of the reality of this word that I'm speaking. But the devil would love for you to think that the reason why you're having a rough time in your marriage and a rough time on your job and a rough time in life is because of the things that you keep tripping up and doing from time to time. He would love to make you think that the reason why you're not married is because of what you did last summer. Oh, (laughs) you know, I know what you did last summer. Come on now. The devil would love to make you think that the reason why you're not able to get ahead financially or even why you're dealing with certain things in your body physically, healing hasn't manifested. It's because you keep cussing. Somebody say it out loud. Don't be deceived. Sin is not your problem. That's a big statement. That's a big statement. In the world, yeah, their problem is sin. But once you accept Jesus, the problem is a lack of understanding concerning the righteousness of God. I'm starting to believe that that's why he said, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Because it's not just seeking the kingdom that will cause all these things to be added to you. Oh, I'm getting excited, church. When unrighteousness is the bigger problem. Let's go from verse 8 to verse number 9. So he says, if we say we have no sins, we lie and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I submit to you is because... Jesus paid the price for all your sins, that part is taken care of. But you walking in righteousness is up to you and what you do and how you interact with God. So he uses this word unrighteousness. What I submit to you all, we all have a real good idea of what sin is. We all have a really good idea of what confessing our sin is, right? We understand that God is faithful. We know that he is just. We know. How many of y'all have a good idea, idea of what forgiveness is? Woo, thank God for his forgiveness. But if there, there, there's one word in here that I don't, I don't imagine that all of us have a good understanding of what it's about. We, we all understand what it's like to cleanse. We cleanse our car. 
right? We cleanse our hair. We cleanse our hands, right? We got hand cleaner and hand sanitizer, right? Y'all help me now. I'm just trying to submit to you that we may not all understand what this issue of unrighteousness is, and I'm presenting it because it, it, it's likely your biggest problem. So let's ask the question, what is unrighteousness? How many of you all want to know? That's about 10. How many of you all really want to know? That's about 90%. I'll take that. First, let me give you what righteousness is before we talk about what unrighteousness is. If, if, if you just take the, the un off, you have what? Righteousness. So in order for me to get a good understanding of what unrighteousness is, I need to know what righteousness is. Write this down. Righteousness is right standing with God. By show of hands, how many of you already knew that? I know you're writing. Amen. A few hands. Yeah. Righteousness is, I think if we go to the, you know, concordance, it's right standing with God. You know, are you in good standing with your job? You know, are you in good standing with your homeowners association? You know, how many of y'all understand what we mean by standing? You know, right standing, good standing. And so when you talk about righteousness being right standing with God, that means you and God are in a good position, that he doesn't have anything against you and you don't have anything against him. There's nothing outstanding. Ooh, come on, y'all, help me now. There's nothing outstanding. You all are in right standing. But can we go a little bit deeper? Let's go a little bit deeper. Here's a secondary, more expand, expanded definition of righteousness. It is the ability to stand in the presence of God as if sin has never before existed. Whew. That's a little bit deeper. Because a lot of us could think on the surface, yeah, I'm in right standing with God. I mean, if I, if I die, I believe I would go to heaven. If I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you, if you were to die today, you believe you would go to heaven? Come on. Not all of us. We'll pray for the rest. Amen. But as a whole bunch of us, I ain't not listening. But how many of you, if God were standing before you in this moment, would feel unworthy? That's a lot of us. And that's unrighteousness. And that's our biggest problem. And we got to deal with that. Because what's got to happen with Brother Sherelle and Brother Malcolm and Brother Jamie and Sister Rashonda and Sister Frederica and Taraz and Dana is that they usher us into the presence of God every week. The reason why we need you to help us in our live production team, in our setup and breakdown team, and in our children's ministry, the reason why we need you on our momentum team is because every serving volunteer is trying to prepare an atmosphere to usher in God's presence in our service. 
so that when the man of God is laying hands on the sick, it's not just one human being to another. It's the power of our Lord God Almighty in the room touching everyone's lives. It ought to be when people come and visit us at Faith Family that when they walk in the door, they enter into the presence of God. That the glory of the Lord fills Burke's Elementary School. Amen. Let me give you this definition, you know, for those of you who are taking notes. Righteousness, yeah, simply right standing with God. But it is the ability to stand in the presence of God as if, somebody say as if. Now, we all know all of us have sinned. The Bible told us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As if. That means not really. But as if. That means we know that that's not the case. But as if. Sin has never. Come on. I don't know if my four-year-old has a concept of sin. I know he has a concept of disobedience, right, which is sin, so maybe he does. But how about that infant, right? Let's go a little bit lower, right? That baby, innocent, except for when they're waking up mom and dad, but maybe they don't know. (laughs) Somebody say, as if, as if sin has never before existed. Can you do that? Can you stand in God's presence as if? Or would you feel a little inferior, a little unworthy? I don't know about for you. When something goes wrong in my life, Pastor Stan, you mean to tell me sometimes things don't go well for you? Well, this morning my phone wasn't acting right. My tablet wasn't right. Come on. (laughs) Right? I mean, I've ever been there. Was you know, flat tire, something break, something happened. It's like, you you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. One of the first things I think about is something that I did. So I'm not the only one. (laughs) I thought, man. I mean, first thing, but now where? I mean, I'm going through the I'm going through the Rolodex. You know, did I talk to Sister Marquita the wrong wrong way? Did I? Say something I shouldn't have said. Did I look at something? Did I go somewhere the Lord told me not to go? What did I do? I mean, it's like, because I'm not supposed to be dealing with no bad stuff. I'm a tither. The the, the devil is rebuked for my sake. What's going on? How many of you all, when you look at the overall analysis of your life, you know, next year is a special birthday for me. And I can remember, you know, 25 years ago, I thought I'd be further. Oh, man. (laughs) Come on, man. Let's take it way back. Forget something breaking right now, a little something, you know, lawnmower didn't start right. (laughs) You know, let's go a little bit deeper when you, you know, you're driving to work and you're thinking, you know, I should have been married by now. I was hoping to have this. I was hoping to do that. And then you roll through this other Rolodex that takes you back to when you were a teenager. Come on, it takes you back when you were in college. Come on, it takes you back to when you 
even before you got saved. And now you feel like, you know, well, maybe that's why the church is not succeeding. That's why the power of God isn't falling. It's because of that deep, dark thing that I don't want nobody to know about. We need to get free, folks, from unrighteousness because it's holding us back. In Luke chapter 5, Simon could relate. When Simon Peter saw what had happened, the presence of God was around him. He fell down at Jesus' feet and he said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord. Just go away. Go away, God. I'm not worthy of your goodness. He just experienced the goodness of God. And yes, the goodness of God will leave a man to repentance. And obviously, Peter wasn't born again. All of his sins hadn't been forgiven. Jesus hadn't even died on the cross. But in the presence of God, is this you? Where you're saying, depart from me. I'm not worthy of your blessing. Just give me enough to make it. I'm good. I don't have to fulfill my ministry. I don't have to you know, stand and, 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 and minister to other people. I don't, I don't have to be you. I, we don't have, I'm just, Lord, but just, I'm, I'm not worthy of this, but can you at least help me pay my bills? Can you at least help me with my career? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2 and 3, it says, For then would they have not ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. You see, in the Old Testament, the, when they, because sin entered into the world and death through sin, and sin passed all, you know, all men of sin. So the, the, the way that they dealt with sin in the Old Testament was they were to take a sacrifice for their sins year by year. You know, they would offer up a sin offering. It would cost them something. But then when they offered that, they shouldn't be thinking about what they did. Because I, I was forgiven. God received my offering. I was forgiven. I shouldn't be, fair. I shouldn't be con conscious of it. I shouldn't think that that's why the, the crop isn't producing and, and that's why the relationship isn't working. I shouldn't be conscious of a sin. The way it was designed to work is that when, you, when, it, when there's an offering for your sins, there should be no more consciousness. But that's not the case. Jesus was and is our offering for sin. But we still have sin consciousness, which is a form of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness, write this down because I'm going to start to give you the definition. Unrighteousness is sin consciousness. It's when something breaks and you think. I mean... 
sometimes it's like cause and effect. How many have ever been there? You just got through cussing the people out at McDonald's. I asked for a number five. You know, it's like little stuff, right? We get nasty and all of that. And then we go out and something, I mean, immediately get a speeding ticket. Come on, cause and effect. How many of you ever like, you immediately are thinking because you cussed out and, and then boom, something happened. That's the consciousness of sin. Now watch this. <laughs> Some people feel like, yeah, it should have happened because of what I did, right? No, it shouldn't happen. Anyway, uh, unrighteous. Okay, write this down. I'm, I'm going to try to wrap it up real quick. I'm done, but, but we, I need to give you these last couple of pieces here. Unrighteousness is sin consciousness. Woo! Write this down. Unrighteousness is a sense of guilt, shame, condemnation, inferiority, or fear. It is the inability to stand in the presence of God as if sin has never before existed. If God were to show up in your car, you wouldn't be okay because of your consciousness, your shame, your guilt. You would feel inferior. You wouldn't be like, hey, God, glory to God. I'm so glad you're here today. You would be like, oh, I'm not worthy. Depart from me. I'll give it to you again in the future, but I pray that it sinks. Unrighteousness manifests five ways. If you ever feel guilty, if you ever feel condemned, if you ever feel shamed, I could say right now, I won't do it because it's so real. This is rhetorical. That means don't answer this. How many of you are ashamed of some of the things you did in, in your past? And people put their hands up. No, it's rhetorical. That means you don't answer it, y'all. <laughs> but no, Pastor, I really am ashamed. I was just like, no, no, you shouldn't be. But Somebody say, this is real. Oh, let me give you an example of this. We need to get to this place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have cheated no man. See, ultimately, when we get, like Paul got, a revelation of righteousness, then we should be no more ashamed of anything that we've ever done, whether you've experienced a divorce, whether you've experienced a breakup, oh, come on, somebody, whether you've done something hideous, something terrible, something you wish you would forget, I'm here to tell you, when you allow the revelation of the righteousness to of God to cleanse you you'll be like Paul able to say I've wronged nobody I've done no wrong I've done no bad <laughs> glory to God how can Paul say that he wronged no man 
He's not perfect. He put his, well, he, he put his robe on one arm at a time. Come on. He's a human being. I'm sure when he grew up, he did some bad things. If he's like any other human, he's not perfect. He did things. He said things. He went places he should not have gone. Wasn't he involved in persecuting Christians before he got saved, beating them up, putting them in jail? Wasn't he even there when Stephen was killed? He was complicit to murder? But yet he came to a place where he said, I've done nothing wrong. Receive me. What was he functioning in? He, in great part, is the reason why we have the revelation of the righteousness of God. He understood it. And you and I have to understand it. Because as we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, we don't feel inferior and guilty and shamed and condemnation. We're bold in the day of judgment. We will walk in the fullness of of the blessing of God. Did you all get anything good out of that today? <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Lord, we thank you right now. We give you praise and glory right now for the work that you're about to do on the inside of every one of us. That as we exit from this series at whatever point, we will be so poised and ready for the future that you have in store for us. No longer will we be chained with the failures of our past. It'll only be you that stands before us. And in your presence, we will stand as if sin has never before existed. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of y'all agree with that prayer? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. I, I, I want to ask you, come on back next week. We'll get into part two. Uh, this is going to be good. It may not, doesn't have to be long. If we can get it, we can go on to what's next. But this is right what the Lord has for us. This is a point of confirmation for me. I got a partner level letter from Bill Winston this week, and the heading was What is Righteousness? Now, I've been working on this series for most of the summer, right? But it was just a point of confirmation that other ministries, that at least this one, had thought about the righteousness of God. So give your ear. Uh, how many of you all read your chapters? Yeah, a couple. All right. Well, let me encourage you. Amen. This week, when you get the church email, we're going to have chapters from these messages. Read it, meditate it, amen, and it'll bless your life tremendously in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed, I don't want to dismiss. Maybe you're here today and you saw from the scripture that sin is your problem. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're not saved, you don't know the Lord, or maybe you've sinned and you haven't repented. Let's get it right before God in the name of Jesus. God loves you. He gave Jesus so that you wouldn't die but have everlasting life. You can accept him as we saw in the scripture. So if that's you and you want to make Jesus your Lord or you want to repent of your sins, I want you to pray this out loud. Mean it from your heart and God will save you right where you sit. For those of you online, pray with me and you'll see the manifestation of God's promise. All of us, let's pray out loud together so to bring no shame to anyone present. Say this, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word today. I come to you today to give you my life. I do believe that Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he died for me, bearing my sins for me. They put him in the grave, but I believe you raised him from the dead. He's alive. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent for all my sins. 
sins of old, sins of new, and I accept your offer of forgiveness. You are faithful and just to forgive me. Now I'm asking you, cleanse me from all unrighteousness in Jesus' name. I also ask you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Give me my heavenly prayer language that I may pray to you from my spirit to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put your hands together for those in person.